0: Welcome everybody, back at it again, World Football Podcast, We're we are rebranding the name uh, It was a big decision made by higher office and uh, you know, it just needed to get done, CEO wrote off on it, so that is what this podcast is called now, World Football Podcast, I think it has a better ring to it, um, brought to me today, Quinton Volpe in the building What up, good We're to back. have you
1: in man yeah, hey, good to be back. Hell yeah, yeah,
0: Cheers, cheers. Drinking some heavy buds. If you don't know what a heavy bud is, that is a Budweiser American beer. Um, this this episode is sponsored by Budweiser. Yeah, it, it's not, but we're going to say it is. It's, br- say it. it's
1: definitely brought to you by Budweiser. Not not completely sponsored by Budweiser, but brought to you
0: by Budweiser. Yeah. I, okay, I agree. Um... How you feeling, bud? You got uh, hit with a golf ball the other day? I just I didn't want to <laughs> go into too many details. I, but. Yeah, I
1: didn't think you were going to. Yeah, just got nailed in the back of the head, I assume, by somebody's shanked 7-iron, maybe. <laughs> it felt I like a 7-iron. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe a 9-iron, but he scold, he, it was sculled, for sure. Yeah. So it came in hot, uh, you know, broke skin. Uh, had to finish the round early, which was uh, upsetting, but you know, I'm a very cautious guy. So, we just as soon as I saw the blood, yeah, got off the course. It's a smart move, almost it's a power threw- move, yeah. Almost threw up uh, when I got back to the clubhouse. So, I guess there's a little sign of a concussion, but yeah, I'm good. I'll be playing tomorrow night. <laughs> So, maybe I'll just avoid headers unless it's in front of goal. Yeah, I mean, you can't
0: give up the diving header. No. that Nothing will ever come close to that type of goal. But no, uh, it's the
1: best. It's the best.
0: Yeah. Uh, definitely be careful, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mess around with too many headers. We
1: should get a concussion. I, I think I'm getting a concussion test tomorrow. That's good. Um, so, I'll be, I'll be safe about it, but I, I would really like to play. So, we'll yeah. see what happens. I think it'll be good. Yeah, I think so, too. It's a golf ball. It's tiny. A tiny thing. Tiny little thing. It didn't rattle my brain. No. I, I, I was conscious through the whole thing. Didn't forget anything. I remember the exact moment it hit me, so I think I'm all right. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, you know, it's lucky, man. Yeah. Could have been worse. Could have hit me in the face. It yeah. could have broken cheekbone or whatever. Yeah.
0: Could have hit you, you know, in the mouth. Something was. Freaking knock out a tooth or something like you're a hockey player. Right. You don't expect that on a golf course. You just don't. No. But, uh... all right. so, um... As requested and voted upon by the Instagram followers of the World Football Podcast page... Luton Town. Luton Town FC. Football Club. We're gonna be discussing them today. We, you know, we did a little deep dive research into the club. And, um... Man, the the history that exists beyond the scenes of this club are incredible. And um, just a, a little overview. We all know that they're a team that is in the Premier League next year. First time in the Premier League for like, I think it's 10 years. Um, they've just been struggling. And this is a team that used to be a revered Premier League team. They used to not compete for the title but con- they, they had a 10-year stretch where they stayed in the top league at the time I think it was called um first league or something like that it wasn't the premier league but they were a team to survive in in this league and now they're back it's gonna be interesting they're gonna have some great games at Kellenworth Road um this is a state. This is a a, um, a venue that's been their host stadium since nineteen o five.
1: It's a long time. A well, lot of history that we'll be touching on today. Um, like you said, deep deep dived into it. So I am pretty much uh, a live listener as well. I'm not as as um, educated on Luton Town, but we should. Uh, Learn a lot today.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, so for all those who know Luton Town, their arch rivals right now, Watford. So which is kind of also crazy because their, um, their head coach is used to be an ex-Watford coach. So they hate Watford. Um, their coach, um, Rob Edwards, current coach as of right now, Signed in November 2022, and he was Watford's coach um, for one season. And um, also played with Wolvenhand and Wanderers back in 2004-2008. Another pretty high rival that Lutontown has. So, I mean, they've put so much trust in this guy, though. You know, to to get them over the line, they've, they've had... Um, I think it was a couple years ago... They played Huddlesfield in a uh, playoff matchup to come back into the Premier League. And then they lost, and then they started dropping down even more again. But we want to bring you guys up to basically everything that we um, know about this team. Maybe it can, some of these things might influence their positioning in the league that they will be playing in next year. I mean, they're going to play some. You know the best teams in the world. Uh, Manchester City is going to be a fun matchup with for them. Um, just to be able to play these type of teams, I think. Um, you know, we're. I think we'll see pretty early on in the season whether they are gonna stay up or they will go down. You know, there's rumors that they might only get like ten points this season. Um, I don't really believe in that. I, I don't think so. I think they're gonna uh, have a fun ride in the Premier League for for a year. But um, basically just to start with it, the they called them the Hatters. So this is the Lutontown Football Club, also known as the Hatters. They're only called the Hatters because back when they first started the club, they their main source of um, outsource, um, not outsource, but exports. Whereas, like a hat matting manufacturing company, the exa- town itself, yeah, in um, in um, Bed- Bed- Bedfordshire, in in southern, Lo- um, not London, southern England. So, you know, big big club um, started in eighteen eighty five, and there was there was a decent amount of teams in this area during the time. You know, they had. Um, this, this Luton team that's current now, they had the Luton Wanderers, Luton Excelsior. And what they basically did was they... One of their old players, uh, George Deacon, he met with the secretary of the Wanderers, uh, Herbert Sp- uh, Spiratelli. And they met in like a weird, informal, secret meeting... To basically discuss the merging of all these clubs back in 1885. and um, George Deacon, who used to be the ex player, who he was either manager at the time, I forget what it was, but he met with this uh, another Luton uh, Luton Town football player, John Charles Lomax, and they basically met with the you know everyone part of the town, everyone who's a fan of of the team. To discuss what the team was going to be transitioned to, because they wanted to bring all these teams, these little subsectors together to form a big club. And um, basically, what happened was they—it came out that Spirati, the the secretary of Wanderers, had this secret meeting to kind of force George Deacon to let him in on the deal. And uh, once everyone in the town found out about that, they had a vote. And they voted against Bradley's, um ownership of the team. And, um, yeah, it became basically John Charles Lomax and George deacons Not their team, but they started the organization. The, the culmination of all of these subsector teams brought them into one. First game in 1885. So, this is a team that's been around. Yeah, it, more than 200
1: years. Yeah. Oh, sorry. More than 100 years. Yeah. More than, no. Two hundred years. 1885 to 1985. We yeah, like, haven't reached 2085.
0: True. Yeah. 150 years. Yeah. yeah. We're no mathematicians. Ah, uh, yeah. Not my strongest suit. But, um, so you know, early club, early history. Um, probably one of the biggest people in their history. He's. They either have a stand named after him or they have a plaque with his name on it. Um, Ernie Sims. Ernie Sims was a footballer, English footballer, for, for Lutontown around the time of uh, World War I. Um, he was playing on them before World War I. World War I started in, what was it, 1914 to 1918 or something like that? I'm no historian either. <laughs> I believe. I believe it was only like a four-year war. Ed like
1: baby. Fizzette, let's keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's okay. You you might have known some of these. Th- um, so, but anyway, this guy, Ernie Sims, he goes to war, was on the Italian borderline front. I don't know if it was an explosion, what happened to him, but he wound up leaving, being discharged due to a, uh, a really bad leg indir- injury that... You know, there was like a bunch of muscle missing and, you know, they didn't know what to do. So he comes back, he he comes home, Luton, the uh, um, Kellen, Kellenworth Road is closed for the war. They had, you know, tents in there and stuff for, for armies and stuff, but it was pretty much closed for the war. And, uh, you know, this guy comes home, he got discharged. He wanted to keep playing football. And so what he would do each night he would go and he would scale the gutter to get over the fence, to get onto the field, to start training. So this guy was training, had a really gruesome, severe leg injury, would literally run around the pitch with a limp. And it was, you know, so this was how it, it became a big deal. Um, basically one night it was snowing. He went for the run and then the uh, one of the security Officers saw that there was footprints in, in the stadium. So he called the police. They they said, all right, tomorrow night, let's meet up here. We're going to catch him. So Sims, Ernie Sims does it again, goes, wants to get his training in. They catch him. They bring him down. They're like, all right, you know, why why have you been doing this? Like, what, what is going on? And, um, you know, he, he came out, basically told him, okay, this I've been doing this. They loved it so much, they signed him the next year for wow. for a contract. They said for his spirit and determination, this is what matched the na- the the national wartime mood. Just right. that grit, that energy, and this is you know this kind of is prolific now to where Luton Town are now. You know, a team that had financial struggles in the early 2000s and now, you know, went from fifth-tier division all the way up to the Premier League, you know. It, there's, like, certain things that just don't leave clubs, like that type of grittiness, that thing will, that type of energy will live through this club forever, yeah. especially because of hearing a story like
1: this, yeah, hearing about <clears throat> Willingness to battle, you know, the, the determination to just keep at it and uh not give up even as corny as it sounds
0: no it's true i mean it's 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 something that um you know you you got to uh as much as you know people think it's just a sport it's easy for you to say but to someone who loves the sport unconditionally win or lose it's everything it's it's something that you know, we, we watch it every weekend. Now we can't. I mean, MLS is on, but, you know, it's it's emotional to us. It's entertainment beyond we're, belief.
1: Yeah, we're invested in it.
0: Poetry in motion, as the great Peter Drury would say. Right. But, um, you know, that was early, early late to, uh, 1910s, basically, a couple, 40 years after the club's been around. So, Sims uh, absolutely killed the league one season. He had uh, 28 goals in 42 games. And that season, Luton Town only scored 61 goals. So, he o- he almost had nearly half the amount of goals for Luton Town. Mm. Uh, he was absolute beast on the pitch. They said the way he ran was... You know, prolific, uh, you know, English announcers, writers always use, you always use the word prolific, but he like, they'd said he would like glide on the field. He was like a skater and, uh, you know, brought, brought them to uh, a promotion, a couple promotions. And, um, you know, they, they kept promoting during this time too. That was another weird thing. Uh, This was a English football around this time. It wasn't as glorified as it is now and, like, kind of structured. So it was kind of weird because of travel. You know, now with the trains that they have in England, you know, or even having the buses that we have now, you can get from Manchester to southern London in a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Back then, they didn't really have that opportunity. So they would only have subdivisions in each area of England. So that was like basically from like the nineteen end of the nineteen twenties through the thirties forties. That's all it was. It was you played in your little subset community, uh, ge- geographic location. There was a probably a, a first division, second division, third division in each one. Kind of exists today. Um, you know we look at Premier League top, Championship second, League One, League Two, and then it's Nation League. But underneath Nation League, there's a bunch of, you know, Southern tier, Northern. Uh, they call Ispwich or something like that. There's another league that's underneath Nation League, and this this is basically how like the teams back right. in, in the early yeah. days used to play.
1: Yeah, because guys, now if you're you can't travel for three days to play a soccer game. Yeah, like that. If if you're not getting paid a full time job for it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just not doable now. But the. The sectional aspect still exists where, like, even in the the US, the UPSL has uh, multiple leagues in New York State. It has multiple leagues in other states that are larger, you know, where there's still a chance to battle for a national glory because there is, um, you know, the national finals and the championship, but the willingness to travel. Eighteen hours for a single game—that's just a part of your league—is yeah. not there. No, you know? it's almost like it doesn't make. It wouldn't make sense to do it.
0: Yeah, no. It, 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 especially if we were to bring it into America. Excuse me. If we were to bring that into America, that um, you know, idea of a tier system. America is too large. Right, but it's the biggest country with a professional. I feel like with
1: a high professional. Um, soccer structure. I I just I'm not educated enough on like Russia and China, honestly, to well answer that. But true, but I, it is it is doable at lower levels like the UPSL is yeah. doing. I think the UPSL is a great thing. I don't know if it'll ever take off. Yeah, it's, you know, to be nationally or internationally recognized. But the fact that they provide opportunity of high quality competition. Just based on region. It's a good way to keep the culture alive.
0: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So like basically. That's what they were doing a lot. A lot of these times. Um, You know. They were in third division south. Um, They won promotion to the second division. And in 1936-1937 season. Which at the time was the second tier. Of English football. um, During that time. Joe Payne, an English striker, still holds the record today for most goals scored in a European uh, match, any type of European match English, whatever French, French, Spanish. And he scored 10 goals against Bristol Rovers. jeez, and in one season had 55 goals in 39 games. Jeez. Like this guy was top. Here. It's Holland numbers, yeah, Holland numbers, and we're talking about a team now that coming into the Premier League, who who knows about them? You know, not a lot <laughs> not of people know people. about these these little people that existed in this history of clubs. That you know, does history repeat itself? Who knows? Who it might they might have a beautiful, beautiful um, time in the Premier League this year, but what it was one of the greatest sides of Luton's history during this ever, um, manager Daly Dukin, um, one of the first Scotland um, coaches of the team. He would later go on to coach for Scotland's international team as well. And um, yeah, during this time, man, they just had such a amazing stretch of performances um, to go over a couple other people that played around this time Gordon Reginald Turner he was um he's Luton's all-time top goal scorer he has 243 ga- uh 43 goals in a 406 appearances um he actually died in a really weird way he died young he died in like his like early 40s um he had like some really unnatural, uh, some type of, like, motor neuron disease. And he passed away at, like, 48 or 46. But at the time when he was playing, remarkable. Mm -hmm. From any any article I've read about him from, like, back in the day, like, I was looking up, like, old historical articles about Luton Town, everything they wrote about this guy. These are, like, things you'd be reading about, like, Wayne Rooney when he Hmm. was playing, Frank Lampard,
1: Legends of the game. Yeah.
0: Legends of the game. Um, also at the time, Robert Hendry Morton. Uh, they called him Bob. He has Luton's most appearances for in their history. 495 appearances through almost like 20 years. That's how long he was on the team for. Damn. Yeah. Um, Sid Owen. And um, he joined from Birmingham City. In the 1945-1947 uh, season. Uh, after the 1947 season. My bad. He was there at Birmingham City's Academy. And... Um, he was another guy who... Was just remarkable. He won the football... Um, football World Football Association Footballer of the World. In 1959. And... um he also became a player manager. Love that. Which he was the player manager of when they played in the 1959 FA FA Cup final against Nottingham Forest, which they sadly lost 2 to 1. But just amazing remarkable that, you know, they at this time I think they were in like basically what would be the championship taking on teams going to the FA Cup finals. In probably one of the most electric stadiums that the EPL might have See, seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that was in, you know, the uh, late 50s, early 60s, then moving on to their, you know, um, 1964, 1965 season. They, I mean, they call them yo yo teams. Have you ever heard that term? Yeah, like, they go up and down. Up and down. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of luton's bread and butter um they've been they move up they get really cool promotions they win the third division second division and then they start going down and it's due to financial problems you know their top players that were winning them games either they had to release them or you know money wasn't spent well like but like so for instance this guy bruce bruce roach um First ever born English player to Captain Scotland. His parents were Scottish, but he was born in England. Uh, his dad was like a, some type of general. Mm-hmm. So they had to move over to England. But he, they won the fourth division title in 1968. He helped them bring them to that victory. Scored 24 goals that year. Um, and then later was signed to Ashton Villa for 100,000 100, euros which at the time was the highest record fee ever paid by a second division side. So, like, they got all this money. They were selling players, you know, getting rid of their best players. But then they just started struggling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it happens. It happens. Um, But from basically from, like, the 60s to almost 73, 74, that was the first year when they brought it home. They went all the way back up to division one and they haven't been in that division since 1960 was the last time that they were in division one. They got relegated that year. Um, but so it's been 10 years. They go into the seventies. Now in division one, they get relegated the following year. <laughs> so it is, they're a very topsy turvy team. And uh, they stayed in division two for a solid five years Um, During that time, some great players You know, like John Moore uh, Another Scottish player Uh, This one This guy's actually fucking hilarious Uh, Graham French Graham French Also known as Graham Lafitte Uh, He was an English winger And um, He was mainly famous because He was constantly at the bars (laughs) Before games, after games, before practices, after practice, like he was a menace in the streets, like hanging out at bars, like a common person. What a time to be alive! Just getting
1: wrecked. Yeah,
0: and we're talking nineteen seventies, so he's this is like he's in it. They, you know, they're they're not they're not doing too great. They, you know, they're, they're in division one at one point, dropping to division two, but just hilarious. Um but like a lot of announcers a lot of people wrote articles about him when he used to get on the ball you knew like you would watch the game you would see like oh my god this guy is violently hungover or drunk or drunk (laughs) still yeah exactly but when he got the ball man they said it looked like whatever he was just struggling with disappeared
1: well it's like me at Hofstra (laughs) show up after a round of 18 holes
0: yeah (laughs) yeah A round of 18 holes and a couple of margaritas. I'm, t- I'm
1: telling you, if, if Hofstra was televised like uh, the Prem, yeah. the
0: fans would love me. Yeah, they would. You'd do like a shotgun in the in the yeah. corner, a yeah, little yeah. Chewy.
1: Right. Shots at halftime, that type of deal.
0: Yeah. Um, but he actually is recorded with um, one of the best goals in football league history and it happened in a game against Mans- Mansfield Town in 1968 and uh, you can't see it there's no highlight to it but you can listen to the audio and dude it from what like the way that they showed the visualization like where he went from he basically got the ball at his own 18 went through like the whole midfield like five midfielders six midfielders brought it all the way to the opposite corner brought it into the box and just slots it underneath the goalkeeper. Unreal. And it was like the most heroic goal still to this day uh voted on every now and then as like one of the top goals of the of all time. Um but just they had, you know, they had just some amazing performances. Uh, that being one of them. Um and then 2 years later after he they scored that goal, they earned promotion in the um division two title they move up to the uh division one once again and um you know the, the during this time um it was just very intense for them they you know they 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 they, they win second division they stay up in the prem or whatever be division one at that time from 1983 all the way to 1995. They, they they were in Division 1. So, you know, have a lot of legs underneath them in, in, in major competitions. Um, also, around that time, they had this kid, Malcolm McDonald, also known as Super Mac. Absolute terror. What a uh,
1: fire nickname. Yeah.
0: 88 appearances, 49 goals. Um, he actually is Newcastle's fifth all-time goal scorer he uh he had 138 goals with them and 257 appearances. So he was on Luton Town for about like a couple years and then went over to Newcastle and just absolutely dominated in the Premier League with them. And uh Yeah, they like I said, you know, they were relegated, they got promoted and then got relegated finishing 1 point behind Tottenham in 1973-74. Oh, it should have
1: been the Spurs. Yeah. That would have been funny. Oh, uh, they right? didn't bottle? That's yeah. fucking surprising. Yeah. Surprising they were able to keep a, uh, keep up. Down
0: they lost by one point right. on on the final so they, day. Thirty four right, uh, points to thirty three points. I
1: I expect Tottenham to drop <laughs> two points that day.
0: Somehow, yeah, somehow pull that off. Yeah. It was that's crazy. It's um but you know, this is when Back, you know, come come eighties, this is when they started really tearing it up. And um, you know, they go to a FA Cup final. They lose to Oh, they came close in nineteen eighty-five. They lost to Everton in the semifinals in an extra time game. Then they following year eighty six, they lost to Everton again in the quarterfinals. Um, but then this is the team that this '80s team, the which was coached by um, David Plett or Pleat, um, probably will go down as Luton's greatest manager of all time. Just the amount of people he brought into the squad, and um, he actually got fired prior to his um, prior to them winning this this League Cup final against Arsenal. Why? I, I forget why they, they exactly fired him. Um, I think it was something to do, like, he was looking for another team to become a head coach of. And they heard rumors of that, and they wanted to get rid of him. People murmur. Yeah, people do murmur. And, uh, yeah, but this is a team that, yeah, it was under Ray Hawford, who was an ex-player for Luton Town. I think he was the f- one of the first ever player managers. For Luton Town, and uh, what a game! I mean, we watched the highlights before Luton Town go up one nil against Arsenal in the League Cup final, also known as the uh, the little what was it? Little Little Woods Cup.
1: Yes, Little Woods Cup. Why? Yeah,
0: and um, yeah, they they come back. They they actually go down two one. Great save by um, Luton Town in in a PK late in the game like 70 60th minute and they wound up scoring two goals um
1: one yeah, of them the highlights uh, you just showed me were pretty crazy yeah it was a good match the fact that they could put 4k on those old ass games is yeah. so crazy
0: it is it's Rest- good to
1: watch it's good to watch some Route one football
0: yeah um in that game Brian Steen who he scored a brace against Arsenal in the final and then he also scored a brace um this uh the seat, that season during the Premier League season in a 3-3 draw against Liverpool at Anfield. Wow. Yeah, he was a great player. Um he had 127 goals and 388 appearances and um you know during this time during these late 80s uh Luton Town was Known for having a lot of uh, black African American players, and like during the time, not a lot of teams did have black uh, African American players. Well,
1: they're in England, so they they're not. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, not African the
0: black uh, English players. Black players, yeah. yeah. Black players, yeah. Uh, Don't want to offend anyone, but uh, (laughs) yeah, Luton Town was one of these teams that just. You know they they brought these people these 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 guys in to come and do damage. Um, you know Ricky Hill, another black player, uh, English midfielder for Luton. Um, he played a pivotal role in the promotion to first division during that um, um, during that 1981 82 season. He uh, he he won Player of the Year two years in a row, back to back. Um, from 1980 to 1982. Whatever. Uh, I forgot who won it this year. I think Holland won it. Um, but yeah, same award that's been been given out for the last almost two decades. Back-to-back Luton Town player claimed wow. the title. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, he actually wound up to go play for uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies back when they were in the MLS In the 1991-92 season. And then became head coach for them. For the following three years. So. What a beast. What a beast. I love that too. I love like. Someone who. You know. Played English football. Top tier English football. Won a couple promotions. And then they come and play in America. And during early MLS times. Like. It was probably exciting as hell. I mean. he, He probably didn't understand the whole. Uh pk shootout thing remember when they used to like
1: dribble at the goalkeeper yeah Yeah. like it was like a hockey game what a time they should bring those back yeah right not in the prem not in the prem but like but to some extent yeah that would be fun instead of pk's after extra time yeah or instead of pk's as a way to decide the game i think that would be so much cooler
0: it was fun i mean there was a shot clock The you know, you were basically just running one on one to the goalkeeper for like five seconds
1: at least 30, 40 yards. Yeah,
0: yeah, and people used to get messed up. I think that's why they put away with it because people just run as fast as they could, as uh, uh, they would run as fast as they could into the goalkeeper.
1: Well, you don't have the composure for it. I mean,
0: yeah, goalkeeper just takes you out. I
1: think people would score every single time nowadays. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Uh, it's it would be it would be weird to watch
1: it'd be like how do you miss you know I guess that was kind of the thinking back when it happened but if you have 30 yards and it's you versus the keeper
0: but you have the shot clock
1: right still if it's enough time to get into the 18 yeah and you know there's no defenders yeah how are you missing yeah I don't know I don't know I mean in truth I miss uh, plenty of penalty kicks but how are you missing? you know Yeah. how are you missing a penalty kick? I don't know
0: they should they should bring it back for indoor indoor soccer for
1: sure at least indoor
0: yeah um but also another player that was um a huge player for Luton Town at the time Imuk uh Nawajabi also known as uh, Chuka Meek Chuka Iumik. Let me and, see. How do you... And they called him Imik.
1: Imika. I just want to... Where is
0: his, it? His
1: nickname was Amika. Chukwameika N- Nodwaji O.B. Kevin!
0: This... I got the Baya. first name.
1: Chukwameika. <laughs> Chukwameika, a.k.a. Ameki. Ameki.
0: Um... He was a fan favorite. Um, He actually had 11 goals in 72 games, but he wound up with a bad injury that kind of kept him out for the rest of his uh, career. Um, And he was also part of the team during the uh, Kellenworth Road Riot, which was a crazy, crazy event that happened in 1985 um, during the time Millwall Was notorious for their fan base. They were just... You know... It was after... You know, I guess after wartime... A lot of high tension. A lot of gang violence was going on. A lot of testosterone. A lot of tea going around the room. And they... Basically, before the game even started... There was like... People were throwing shit onto the field. Like, literally hurling chairs. At the time, Kellenworth Road... Didn't have... Only certain areas had seats, and then everything else was just standing room.
1: Yeah, eventually it's gonna turn into fists.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I mean, they hit a couple players in the head. Um, you know, they threw everything—nails, coins—and then there was just a huge fight. They eventually got everyone off the field, but even they got everyone off the field. The game played. Luton Town goes on, wins one-nil, at home. But it was just an absolute disaster. Probably the best victory of the players' lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was probably scary. But, uh, you know, they actually said, the goalkeeper of Luton at the time said that they found a uh, a knife in the, in the net. Someone threw a knife onto the pitch and there was a knife sitting in the net. Um, but Brian Steen with the game-winning goal. Guy's just. He's a he was an electric man, Um, but this this led to Luton Town have to they this would led them to renovate their stadium. They had to put in seats um, from FA regulations, and um, you know another amazing feat for um, Luton Town in the eighteen um the nineteen eighty two eighty three season. They was the last game of the season. They needed to beat Manchester City away to um, stay up in the Premier League. And uh, they wound up going down 1-0. But um, substitute Yugoslavian uh, Randy Antic went on and scored the game-winning goal in the last couple minutes. Which kept Luton Town up. And I'm pretty sure relegated Manchester City. Oof. So... A lot of history on that matchup right there, you know. Yeah, people citizens are going to remember be, that. Yeah. You know, anything can happen in, in Kellenworth Road Stadium. I think it's going to be, you know, certain certain clubs are going to go over there and have struggle. They're going to struggle, I think. Um, But, you know, they finished in the Premier League in the, well, not the Premier League, but Division One during the time. The 1986-87 season was their best ever finish. They finished in 7th place. Um, Pretty huge for such a low club. And, um, you know, they were in the Premier League for all the way up until 1991 was the year they got relegated. They finished in last place. Um, I think they actually... So what happened was they got relegated and then the... FA developed um, the top league the Premier League and then they considered division one basically the championship, championship. Mm-hmm. so they got relegated but they stayed in the champion division one technically speaking and uh you know due to financial struggles due to their owner at the time um, this is what caused if anyone's ever curious look it up um, it's called the um uh, where is it? it they had to um, reestablish basically the ownership of the club in 2003 and they they um, they developed what is called the Luton Town Consortium which is basically the owners are the chair, the chairman are the fans the fan society of the team which I've, I find awesome. Like I feel like that's how a team should be making their decisions.
1: Yeah, I mean some decisions. You know. so at least
0: like they should have their say. Like I, I'm not a fan of these. You know you. I know you're a Chelsea fan, but you look at Todd Boley and um, you know everything that he's done with Chelsea, the people he signed, whatever, whatever. Maybe they were the great fit. Maybe they weren't. But I don't think he really knows what he's doing, so to say. Like I don't, I don't think he really knows soccer to that extent. Whereas, if you took some, if you took some notes from the fans themselves, what they want to see, what they think needs to be done, I feel like you might get
1: a better feel for what you need. Yeah, better outcome. <clears throat> they did just appoint a director of uh, football operations. So, yeah. thankfully, he won't be as heavily involved in transfers. But
0: well, that makes that's that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely a good thing. Um, but <clears throat> you know, uh, the the owner at the time, um, his name was John Gurnley Ger- Gurney, and uh, he wound up selling the club for like, or he bought the club for like four euros. And later, a couple years later, he entered administration, which is basically like liquidation. It's like entering bankruptcy. Um, you know, he said it. He said it out loud, so it counts, right? Right. Um, as long as you declare it. Yeah. As long as you declare bankruptcy or administration, you're good. And um, you know, they they wound up winning. Um, the football league 1 2000 2005 2004 2005 sorry and they uh, they go into the the championship which was developed at that time cuz they got relegated a couple years back and then they um you know due to all these financial struggles they find themselves all the way down in the conference premier league which basically is fourth tier football almost not even considered league football in, in English society. You know, you have Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, and then the Nations League or Conference League. And uh, it's not considered, um, it's non-league football, technically how it's represented. And, um, you know, Town being one of the first teams ever to be a non-league team and defeat a league team when they defeated... Norwich City in one of the I think it was the FA Cup beat them in a I think it was like a a third round um, one nothing win at home so you know they they have that in their in their record cabinet Um, but then you know just amazing what they've accomplished they go from in the Conference League they win their Conference League they go to League Two. They're in League Two for about two years from 2014 to 2018. And then they get promoted. They get second place in League Two. Go on the following year to League One. Win League One in 2018-2019 season. And then had three years in the championship. um, You know, from 2019 all the way to now, 2023. And uh, you know now they're in the Premier League now. This is a team that, from all the history we w- we've went over today, you know it's they are full of opportunity. And Ooh, uh, who who what was the guy's name we were talking about before? Um, M Man, Yeah, Peli, yeah, Peli uh, Rodrick Mpanzu. Yeah,
1: Peli Rodrick Mpanzu.
0: Yeah. Uh, a little back history on this player. He will be the first ever player to play in every single division in English football
1: with the same team. With
0: the same team. Absolutely beautiful stuff. Um just like the respect to have someone like that in your squad has to be exhilarating for anyone that they sign, anyone that they've signed in previous years to know that you know, Mpomzu has been here through thick and thin. gaining Gaining titles, finishing, helping the team get promotions, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a mutual respect between the player and the club. And then there's got to be that sense of <clears throat> respect in the locker room. When, as a new guy, you come in and maybe one or two training sessions in, you're like you're told his backstory or maybe you knew it before you got to the club, but you're sharing a locker room with the same guy who has been playing with the team since they were down in the dumps. Yeah. Like completely and utterly out of the conversation when it came to English football. And now he's with the same club in the same stadium playing at the most, you know, in the most elite league in the world. So somebody like that in the room has got to do uh, hopefully he could do some good things, even if he doesn't have a big role to play on the pitch. Um, he's going to be looked at to provide some leadership and motivation, if nothing else. Yeah, for the club.:
0: 100 um, percent, you know, a couple other players that they have on their team that are class players who might help them really uh, exist in this Premier League and do well. Um, Charlton Morris, uh, he's been on the team now since, um, last year they signed him actually. And he had, uh, 51 appearances, 20 goals this year.
1: As a striker?
0: As a, um, I think, I put, I believe a striker. Yes. Nice. 27 years old, English, English lad. He plays the sh- their starting striker and, uh, you know, they have a couple other people, um... I believe his name is Tom Tom Lockyer. Uh really good center back that they have. Has like some of their best defensive stats on the team. He he's a great player as well. He he's definitely gonna help them out this season. Uh, Elijah Atabeo, seven goals last season. And uh, you know, uh four assists as well. And so you know there's some good players on this team that for sure you know we we've seen it with Norwich City when they came back to the Premier League some players are going to step up you know and it's all it really is all about what what is what do you think is possible what is the end goal what can you obtain positive from a season even if you have a bad season what are what were the positives we could take out of this what do we need to work on and, you know, they finish in third place in the championship. <clears throat> they defeat Southern Sunderland in a two-leg um, aggregate score. And then they take on Coventry City and defeat them in PKs. And I think, uh, I think the world's their oyster at this point. I think, I think, you know, to finish in the top half of the, the league, not going to be an easy task. But I think they, it's full of promise. For Luton Town?
1: I think their main objective will be to stay safe, but hopefully we could see some history being made and uh, see them come up and right away do some damage and finish in the top 10.
0: Yeah. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. A lot of history, a lot of past history of success and what that means going forward. You know, who knows? Should be interesting, though. Can't wait. Premier League season can't come soon enough.
1: Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Yeah. And then we'll be looking forward into next year, next summer's transfers. Yep. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle.
0: Oh, it's fun. And we love it. Um, But that's basically the history we talk about, Luton Town, you know. Uh, give it a listen to before the start of the season, so you know a little bit, a little bit about the history of this team and why they're so important and uh, why people want to listen to historical uh, facts about them.
1: Yeah, I mean, plenty of history going on to catch the attention and uh, maybe even create some new fans. Yeah. So, you know, if you liked it and you're an impartial Premier League fan, maybe Luton Town is the club for you.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Well, folks... Had a fun time. We're gonna do this again about another club. Um, look forward to uh, keep keep your eye on the Instagram page when we post that. You know, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm thinking Fulham. I would love to do one about Fulham, but it's really up to you, fans. It's not up to me. So um, that's been your Luton Town history talk, um, Quinton. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having having me. Always a pleasure to be on. No problem. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right? World Football Podcast coming at you. Peace out.